This reading will serve as the basis for today's sermon message. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, the gospel lesson from John 6 that Vicar Rob has read to us just a few moments ago. You have been born again to a living hope. And that hope is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, being kept in heaven for all who believe in Jesus. The born-again life of faith not only gives us perseverance and endurance in the face of our present trials that may come our way, but it gives us, it gives us confidence that the trials themselves are in the hands of an all-powerful, all-knowing Heavenly Father who uses them to refine and to purify our faith. The born-again life of faith is now being guarded by God who keeps us from running off after other things that certainly cannot satisfy our hunger for life and protects us from the dangers of living in a fallen and broken world. That was last week. By the power of the cross, we are born again. But we are not born again to remain infants for the rest of our lives. We're born again, and then we are fed, we are nourished by the bread of life, forever increasing intimacy with Jesus, in whom we will find the ultimate satisfaction of our humanity, both body and soul. This week... The power of the cross nourishes and feeds and satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. Now, these words that you heard from Jesus were not, were not spoken in a vacuum. If you have your Bible open or, or the app 
on your phone. You can, you can look back to the beginning of chapter 6 where you will discover that Jesus has just fed a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children with five small loaves of bread and two fish. And the crowds were so excited that they wanted to take Jesus immediately by force, if necessary, and declare him to be their king, which he, in fact, was, but not in the way they were expecting. I have wished many times over the years that we could all have a time machine, that this sanctuary would be a time machine, and that they would invent little plug-in modules for our brains that would download the mindsets of the people in the crowd. Trying to describe what it was like to be there, to see Jesus doing miracles, to hear him preaching and teaching, one author has called a perfect storm. And then he describes three meteorological disturbances colliding that produced the storm of the century. No, no, the storm of all centuries that ever were or ever will be. And not by some accident. It is actually God's will for his whole creation being worked out at a specific moment in time in a specific place. Blowing mightily from the West was the Roman Empire establishing itself as the latest of the controlling, maniacal, dominant powers of the world. Their emperors began declaring themselves to be gods. And the descendants of those emperors announced their succession to the thrones with words like this. The good news that the Son of God, the new emperor, was taking charge. The powerful high-pressure system bearing down from the north is 15 centuries of history and hope of the Jewish nation that God would finally keep his promises to them, that he would rescue them from their enemies, that he would come and dwell in their midst in his temple in Jerusalem, that he would establish justice, that he would bring peace and prosperity to them once and for all. They weren't exactly sure how or when, But they believed. They believed that Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, would come. (laughs) And here comes Jesus, preaching and teaching and healing with authority like no one has ever seen before. Jesus is the hurricane of God's power colliding with the Roman gale and the overheated high-pressure system of the Jewish hopes and expectations. And in just a few weeks, we will gather in this room to celebrate and remember Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a baby donkey, (laughs) failing to meet the hopes and the expectations of the Jews annoying the ruling Roman authorities and going to the cross where he unleashes the very power of God to be born again and then to nourish and to to feed and to satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts.
Look, these crowds were curious. They were hungry for change. And they were filled with worldly political aspirations for their nation. Now maybe, maybe you can imagine what they wanted from Jesus. If you stop and you think about what what people today might want and expect from a Savior, from a Messiah, whatever form that might take for them. If you stop and think about what you and I sometimes want and expect from Jesus. Now forgive my cynicism, but I was looking in the mirror this week. (laughs) What do I want? I want a nice, neat little life where everything goes according to my plans and my expectations. While I suppose there are some who long for excessive wealth, I just want to be comfortably well off. I want marriages and and families that are tidy and respectable. I want a house, two cars, and a dog, or a cat, if that's your preference. I want an economy that grows. I want a government that stops bad people from interfering with my life while not imposing any restrictions or inconvenience on good people like me. I'd like to have the freedom to travel and to see the world. I mean, the truth of the matter is, people, that we sitting in this room are reasonably well off in comparison to the rest of the world. And so then I started wondering about people whose life experience, whose socioeconomic and cultural setting is different from ours. What are the hopes and the expectations of someone growing up in poverty? of those enduring the violence and the threat of death from war, (laughs) of those living in a gang-dominated drug culture, of those being threatened and persecuted by the corruption in their country, of those in prison, whether justly or otherwise, of the disabled, the blind, the lame, of the oppressed, of the widow, of the orphan. Look, Jesus is talking about hungering and thirsting for something more than a comfortable life, something more than simply relief from our circumstances. This is hungering and thirsting for the born-again life that we were created and designed to experience regardless of our circumstances. But so often... Our God is our bellies. And we settle for filling them with food that goes in one end and out the other. The bread from heaven goes in one ear and out the other. It is almost as if our born-again digestive systems are not working. 
And then our faith grows gaunt and thin. Look, coming to Jesus is a cliche that we use to mean something like, phew, that was a close call. That something happened that got my attention. You know what? I should probably go back to church. I should probably start praying more. I, I, I should probably start reading my Bible. But I need you to look very carefully at this text, please, because coming to Jesus is all. It is 100% God. We don't come because we are any better than any other people out there. I am not here because I'm the right kind of person that God wants. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the Father's will. And I am here today, you are here today, because the the Father has drawn you here to fill you up with His Holy Spirit to overcome your unbelief, your lukewarmness, your shallow hopes and expectations. He has you today right where He needs you to be. You've come to Jesus to hear His words again. And whoever comes, look, he will not cast off. Oh, and don't miss this. He will raise you up on the last day. So have you come to Jesus? Have you been born again? Look, I'm not trying to create fear or doubt, I am trying to instill in you the deepest confidence that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. And I can tell you exactly how the Father accomplishes His will in your life. We come to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit who works through the water of our baptism first received and then remembered every time that you see, taste, touch, hear, and smell water. We come to Jesus through the Word. That's the Bible, the story of God, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Read it, mark it, learn it, inwardly digest it. We come to Jesus through the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper where you will miraculously receive the very body and blood of Jesus given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus through your mutual conversations about your faith and your life with fellow followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit strengthens and sustains your born-again life through prayer, both personal and corporate. But I also know that we can turn all of that grace into something mechanical, something formulaic, something we do, as if to suggest that you can mindlessly go through these motions week after week, and presto changeo, you have come to Jesus. 
Maybe what we're missing is the practice of reviewing and evaluating and sharing our faith story with a small group of believers who can encourage us and hold us accountable. We live in a culture that values privacy and independence. It's none of your business where I am with Jesus. And the truth is that story sharing, story telling, giving your testimony as it is sometimes called can be helpful or hurtful. Hurtful when it becomes, hey, look at me, can you match my story? But helpful if somehow, honestly, genuinely, it communicates your encounter with Jesus that changed the way that you think, the way that you look at the world, your motivation for every thought, every word, every deed of every hour of every day of your life. Look, my story has been 66 years this past week in the making, still a baby by some of your standards. Already an old man, according to Vicar. <laughs> My story has progressed from this is what I was born into. This is what I learned as I was growing up. So it's what I believe. It's what I do. To wanting to have right answers and absolute truth so that I can prove others wrong and convince the rest that we are right. Which led me to the seminary. <laughs> to generally believing that, that going to church, that believing in Jesus is, is the way to have a good life or at least a better life and, and wanting people to come here and to find out to wanting to be somebody by, by being the leader of a larger, growing church where people want to come. To slowly understanding what I was taught my whole life. That I am an unrepeatable miracle of God whom He longs to spend eternity with to desiring a deeper, more intimate encounter with my Creator, to a heart awakened to the power of life in Christ, to realizing more and more that in Jesus the kingdom of God, that is the world put right, is happening right now through our faith in Him until He comes again to make it permanent in the new heaven and the new earth to becoming genuinely curious about other people and about their stories and about their relationship with God. To feeling guilty that I am such a late bloomer. <laughs> to hoping that those who come after me will start where I am ending and not waste so much time. Look, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. I don't want your affirmation. I am trying to honestly evaluate my ongoing experience of coming to Jesus 
<laughs> and the most amazing thing of the whole story is that God never had any doubt about me. He is even now using all of our weaknesses, all of our foul, all of our flaws to advance his kingdom. Because sometimes we forget that all of the episodes leading up to the present are part of the story. Today would not be here without yesterday. And rather than wallowing in our weakness and our failures, we would marvel at how God has used it all to bring us to this moment closer and closer to Jesus. The mechanics of it don't change. Remember your baptism, go deeper into the word, receive the Lord's Supper, talk about your encounter with Jesus with other believers, and pray without ceasing. Are any of these tools of the Holy Spirit missing in your life? Can you tell your story? Are you so overwhelmed with the desire to know Jesus better that you are bursting at the seams to tell someone else? Pastor Sam, Pastor Sam shared this story with me. He said, I will never forget working in the St. Louis County Jail when one of the prisoners there said to me, I have never been more free in my entire life than I am right now. He was free from the gang. He was free from drugs. But more than anything, he was free to know that Jesus was his Lord. His whole life, he had been free to invest in his death and in the death of his society. But now for the first time in his life, he was free to live, even though for the very first time in his life, he was behind bars. And yet he had never been more free. Look, come to Jesus and keep on coming. Hunger and thirst for the righteousness that he gives. At the end of John chapter 6, we learn that many in the crowd said, oh, well, this is a hard saying. And then they turned back and they no longer walked with Jesus. So Jesus asked the 12, and he asked us this morning, do you want to go away as well? Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus is the bread of life. The power of the cross nourishes, feeds, and satisfies the deepest longings of our born-again hearts. Who will you tell? Amen. The weekly awakening thought for this week is that you would reflect on, you would evaluate, you would think about identifying how Jesus satisfies you <laughs> and share it. Think about identifying how Jesus satisfies you and share it.